0: student success podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malenzak, and this is episode 49 of the podcast. And welcome to the podcast this week, everybody. Pretty excited to be here on this Tuesday afternoon, morning-ish type thing. Um... Hope you guys are all doing well. It is uh, week four of the semester here at Rutgers University where I teach. And uh, so we are approaching the third of the waypoint. point. <laughs> uh, I mentioned last semester how I've kind of gone from, I used to kind of break the semester up into chunks and it used to be more like first half, second half, but I've really moved towards uh, chunking it in thirds in the last year. So I kind of like picture in my mind, like the first third of the semester is like one big chunk. And that's a lot of like, you know, meeting the students. This is an instructor's point of view, meeting the students and sort of um, getting everything, getting them like up to speed on what the course is all about. And, you know, doing some lectures and there's not a lot of grading, too much grading in the first third. And then the grading really picks up in the second third because that's usually when midterms are and uh and then the last third weeks 10 to 15 is you know the super intense you know final projects are due final exams um i get a lot of you know communication with students then because you know sometimes people don't uh reach out right in the beginning and then when in their grade is in the matter uh, on the line um it becomes uh, a more emergent issue so i guess uh one quick tip would be to uh Reach out to your professors early if you're struggling, because if you think of a professor having, you know, how many students, um, they tend to get a rush of students reaching out about specific things. Um, Now, certainly if your professor is a slacker in returning work to you, and only gets stuff back to you at the last minute, well, then they're gonna have to expect it, but I'm pretty on top of my um, my grading and I return try and return things in a uh in a quick manner uh anyway so my quick tip beyond that one um kind of relates about professors and I see a lot of people um that have the opportunity to learn more about a professor before they take them um not take the you know, not take that advantage. And I'm not exactly sure why. Um, My quick tip this week relates to the professor and the fact that try not to sign up for a course with a professor that you've never heard anything about, if at all possible. Um, My theory is that how good a professor is usually impacts your interest in the course. So it's not often, oftentimes you'll, a course will sound interesting, you when you sign up before you sign up or as you register you know before you've actually gone in there and then you get in there and it's a a bad professor and it's like oh you know this course could be so good but you know they kind of bring the course down. Um, I see a lot more uh, in my experiences I would take a course that you know, either I had to take or, you know, just was one of those courses that didn't sound that good, but it was, you know, part of my major requirements. And then you get in there and the professor's amazing. And it's like, oh, now I actually like this topic because he made it, he or she made it engaging and interesting to me. And that's kind of what I try and do um, in all my classes, but especially my introduction class, which is like the first class in in our department that uh, students take is like an overview of what, um, what the field is and and what our our specific major entails. And uh, I try and be that person. I try and be super engaging and, you know, I try and make the topic interesting because I feel like I could generate interest in them, especially newcomers that have never heard of psychiatric rehabilitation. Um, So there are a few ways that you can learn about a professor ahead of time. Um, Oh, the other thing that about my theory, so how good a professor is impacts your interest in the course. And then your interest in the course impacts your grade directly, right? So the more interesting you find the course, generally speaking, the better you will do. Um, Not always, I know, but that's been my experience, nothing to back that up scientifically. Um, So there's three things that you can do to find out more about a professor. Um, the first is a website, ratemyprofessors.com. dot uh, com, and I was just like browsing my school right before I was doing this podcast and just like looking at um, student reviews of um, my fellow faculty members. I actually don't have a page up, sad to say, um, and you know just reading about the different professors that I know on a on a collegiate level. Um, a co- you know, as as being colleagues of mine, some of them I actually took courses with. But um, reading the student reviews, they were pretty uh, honest. You know, you certainly saw people that had sour grapes and were just, you know, writing a negative review because they got a bad grade, I think. But um, overall, it was seemed pretty reliable um, in terms of, you know, the things that they said about the faculty that i know you know we're consistent across multiple students saying the same thing um so that is one place you can look and it's sort of you wouldn't want to have the yelp mentality right you know anytime somebody you read a review there's like kind of two different kinds of people i find on, on yelp is like the kind of prototypical review site for everything um and rate my professors is in that same sort of model um you have your people that are like just consistent raters that will rate anything good or bad. And I tend to value those ratings more than the person with just like, you know, one rating because they just created an account because they want to complain about a certain person. Um, you know, those things can can be valid as well. But um, you just have to pick through and take the complaints and the and the positive feedback with a grain of salt um, know where, where their motivations might be coming from when they posted that. But otherwise, you know, you could at least get a little bit of info off there, ratemyprofessors.com. Um, you can, you know, this is the best way is to talk to students who have taken that professor previously and that class and just find out, doesn't even necessarily have to be the class. I just want to know about the professor. Like, were they interesting? Um, you know, did, did, you, were you falling asleep in class? Like did they just read straight out of a book or was were they trying to make the content sort of come alive? Talking to students, great resource. And a way to talk to resource, uh, students. Uh, you know if you can't find them on campus uh, or if, if they're not on rate my professors is to try Reddit. Um, so a lot of times each school has its own Reddit sub. And you can go on there and ask questions like, hey, has anyone ever had Professor Smith? And, you know, people will come on and talk about him um, or even just try Googling them. You, If you Google them, you won't get necessarily reviews of their teaching, but you will sort of potentially find some good background info about them, sort of things that they've published. And um, you might find videos of, of them on YouTube. That's another one I'm going to add in here. Um, is put their name in YouTube and see if they have content up. And then you could watch a video of theirs and see like, oh, eh, they're terrible. Um, it certainly isn't the only thing I would base my decision making on. Um, certainly, if you really love the course, despite it being a shitty professor, you probably still take it. But it really helps when you have the choice between two professors and teaching the same course. So uh, anyway, let's move on. Um, We got our topic of the day from Reddit, actually, and this is a bit of a lighter one today. I didn't want to take, I don't know, I was just in a good mood. I wanted to do something fun. So this week, we are going to talk about what's the most interesting class you've taken and why. I thought this fit well with my my first topic discussion about uh, professors in general, and uh, people you know wrote in i'm not going to read people's responses to this one i just brought this up because i thought it'd be cool for you guys to think about right now it's like what is my what's the best class i've taken in college so far and why was it the best um because it made me think back to my my days taking uh college courses and i think i'm thinking specifically for some reason about my undergrad experience you know when I first came to college and didn't know what the hell to expect and my coursework was much more varied. You know, I took all sorts of classes as opposed to my graduate schooling, which was very narrow and, um, I don't know, it's just harder for me to judge. So thinking back to my days, and I went to Rutgers, um, I took a, I wish I could remember the instructor's name. And if I think of it, I'll put it in the show notes but my favorite course that stands out to me that I took at Rutgers and I was an English major. Um, and I believe this was a history course, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was just an elective I I chose to take. I had an opportunity to take, um, it was, oh, now I can't remember exactly what it was. That's the name of the course, but it was uh, a course about the Bible. And the instructor looked at sort of the, the science behind the Bible, you know, the history of the Bible, I think is what it was called. Um, so it wasn't so much, you know, faith-based, which was what I was used to, you know, in terms of approaching the Bible. I had gone to church, you know, throughout junior high and high school, every Sunday was confirmed. Um, so I knew the Bible, you know, I, I didn't know it well, but I was interested in it from a historical context. And this course kind of blew my mind because the instructor, the professor was a minister and taught the course from a very sort of scientific mindset of like, you know, this is what we know about it, you know, uh, for instance, certain books of the Bible that they are named for the person that they think wrote it actually didn't write it. And that was something interesting I found and that the, the, the dating, you know, looking back on it, some of it doesn't match up with, you know, the traditional beliefs about when things were supposedly written. And it just really blew my mind that so much seemed sort of factually missing or wrong. And yet this guy, knowing that, still had that faith. And that's, I think, why what, um, what particularly amazed me. He was a very interesting guy. You know, he, he gave great lectures about you know, each book. He didn't do every single one. He, some some of the Old Testament stuff he broke into sections, I remember. And then the New Testament stuff he looked at, you know, more closely, especially the Gospels. And um, I just came away thinking, you know, it, it really changed my beliefs, in a sense, about religion. Um, and I just really applauded him, not only for being interesting, but for having that faith, despite the historical and kind of more scientific background and approach he had to looking at the Bible. So it was a really awesome course. Uh, I'm going to try and think of his name and maybe Google him because he was really, really awesome. Um, So what's your most interesting class that you've taken so far and why? Um, It was interesting in the responses, um, it kind of confirmed what I said is like, I didn't think I was gonna like this course. But the professor was so fucking great that uh, I ended up loving it. And even some of the ratings that I read on rate my professors today from people in my department, saying that, you know, they didn't really have any particular interest in the stuff we teach psychiatric rehabilitation until they had this particular professor and he sort of like, gave them a career, so to speak, And, and they were so eternally grateful. So a lot to be uh, learned uh, and gained from taking electives of just things that just are random interests in your life that you're never, may, <laughs> you might not think you're going to have the opportunity to take these courses again. Um, I will sort of argue against that a little while later when I, uh, I get to this idea of the lifelong learner. Um, so let us actually touch on that real quick before i get into today's topic which is going to be about online learning in general um there's a few reasons i i'm going to talk about this and i'm going to give my story my history with online learning in a little while but really the uh, the thing that sparked it for to be this week's topic as opposed to any other week was um my wife just uh this past weekend signed up for a course um not a college course just a a continuing ed kind of thing and it was actually in another state um and it was you know just something completely different than what she's ever done and i was really proud of her for you know taking the initiative and doing something that related to just something she was passionate about that didn't relate to her present day career Um, and she she made the investment in herself and I um, it made me think about that because, you know, she is out of college um, and I talk a lot about with her, you know, the, my interests, you know, things that I've just personally taken upon myself to learn about in the last year, two years, three years, especially. Um, and the primary way I do a lot of that learning is um, podcasts. Uh, I know a lot of other people learn a lot of stuff from YouTube. You know how to DIY kind of stuff, um, and I certainly have as well. And it just is something that I kind of want to reaffirm because of people being in college, especially if you're towards the end of college, you might think like, "Oh my God, I'm getting my degree, and then I'm going to enter the the workforce, and uh, I really I'll still be learning, right? I'll, I'll be." you know, if I get a job, they're going to have to teach me on the job, despite what I know from college. Um, college prepares you only to a certain extent, and then it's that own particular job on the job training that kicks in, and really teaches you the ropes and, and the ins and outs of, of whatever position you're hired for. So you know, the I guess people know this, but the learning never stops. And I think that people that have this lifelong learner mindset really end up further ahead in life. Um, The idea that you never stop learning and when we shouldn't just learn because we have to, which would be the case if you got a job and, you know, if you want to do well on the job, you're going to have to apply yourself and learn the stuff that they teach you, right? But what about the other stuff? What about just stuff you're curious about, you know, and it's like, I think I'd like to learn more about that you know, I'm interested in, in the economy and in the stock market. And if you had asked me five years ago, you know, what are how interested are you in the economy and the stock market? I'd have looked at you and been like, I don't give two fucks. <laughs> because that was it, really. I didn't give a shit. And I didn't pay any attention to it. And I'd never, you know, looked and thought about my 401k or anything. And... I can't tell you what particular thing led me from there five years ago to where I am now to have a pretty good base knowledge of how, you know, how the economy sort of works and how, um, you know, investing works and stuff. Um, And I got that all from podcasts and from YouTube and from reading articles online. Um, And I did it because I was interested in it. I didn't have a, a need to learn it. Um, I could have just gone on fine. And most people do do that without taking the time, despite the fact that most people that work do have some kind of 401k and, you know, have um, sort of a, a vested interest in learning, right? It would behoove them to learn a little bit. Um, I've taken it a little bit further and so I sort of have, I know in my mind, I have this lifelong learner mindset of like, um, I can't wait to figure out what the next thing I'm going to kind of get knee deep into, you know, something that right now, if you ask me, I'm like, nah, I have no interest in that. But two years from now, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm super fucking into that now and I've learned a lot and all the resources, you know, in the most, for the most part are free. And even if they're not free, it shouldn't deter you. So it doesn't stop even when you're in in work Um, you know I was talking to some students the other day about licensure and the fact that you have to go to conferences a lot of times to maintain licensures you need things called uh, CEUs which are basically continuing ed hours um, to show your licensing body that you are current with today's you know best practices and methods and research and stuff related to your field of study um, so, for instance, if you're a, um, a social worker and you are a licensed social worker, like an LCSW, every set number of years, you have to sort of renew your license and you have to show them like I have continued to. Uh, the reason I deserve to maintain this license, among other things, is I've stayed current with today's, you know, topics related to social work. You know, I've gone to conferences, I've uh, lectured, I've taught courses, you know, and all these things sort of demonstrate, you know, continuing interest. Think about, you know, somebody that doesn't do that, you know, that gets their degree and their licensure and never continues that lifelong learning. You know, they don't end up staying current and sort of continue to practice what they learned in school and times change, right? research changes we learn new things best practices come out evidence comes out and we need to especially if we are um, in the service delivery humanities field where we're actually human services field I should say where we're providing services we have sort of an ethical obligation to um, to stay current anyway so how does this relate to how does lifelong learning relate to online learning well, it's easier than ever to maintain that or attain that lifelong learner status due to the advent of the internet and online learning. Um, online learning is a passion of mine, um, and longtime listeners would know that based on the goal I set in the spring semester. So, I uh, in the beginning of the spring semester in January, I set a goal to um, build an online course. And I was able to succeed. It didn't happen quite in time for the end of the the, uh, semester, but uh, I got there. And um, so it's just been a particular interest of mine. I've wanted to dedicate an episode to it for a while. Um, So I'm first going to talk about just a brief history of my online learning experience. Um, and I'll include my course but it goes way back Um, so when I was in Rutgers you know when I was describing my favorite classes earlier there was no online learning at all that was a little bit before Um, so I went in I went to undergrad in 1996 to 2000 I was a traditional student I went straight from high school and I didn't know anything about the internet Uh, until I got to Rutgers my freshman year they gave me an email address and I was like oh shit what's this and it was there that I really learned and um, so I didn't do any online learning then graduated in 2000 you know internet really taken off then Uh, went back from my uh, graduate degree starting in 2005 and that was my first exposure to online learning there was courses uh, I took a a blend I took some courses online and I took some courses in person to get my degree uh, between 2005 and 2008 and I remembered in my first I don't remember exactly what the course was but I remember thinking about my first online course that I had signed up for I'm like I wonder what the hell this is gonna be like and I envisioned it like you would log on on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock and there would be a professor and they would be lecturing sort of in real time And there would be other students logged in as well. And we would sort of like, you know, with a microphone kind of participate. Uh, And they would have sort of like, maybe you, maybe it would be more like conference call style where you wouldn't see the person, or maybe it would be more video conferencing where you would show the different like people's um, webcams. I was just like, I couldn't wait to see what it was like. And I guess I was a little disappointed when I found out I logged on and it was more just um, self-directed in that you read some text or you read uh, info from a website um you posted on a discussion forum you know it was all back and forth written correspondence once in a while they they posted a link to a video that you you watched like or a audio file or you know there once in a while there was some kind of multimedia kind of mixing it up but for the most part it was really, there was a lot, very little interaction between students and there was a very little interaction between the student and the instructor. It was more like they just posted the material and you were expected to just, you know, go at it on your own pace. And I didn't really um, get a lot out of learning that way, to be honest. Um, I liked the flexibility. You know, I liked not having to go to class or show up, you know, be able to access the course on my own time but i just didn't find you know as interested as i was in my own in the degree i just didn't find that as a particular appealing way for me to learn and um so you know fast forward i graduated i went back into the field and then a few years later the school that i graduated from that i got my master's from hired me and I was doing research in the beginning, um, and then I started uh, in the last two, in a year and a half now, teaching full-time. And that's really when I started thinking about it, online classes again. And I had actually been teaching an online class one a year, um, even during the years I was doing research. Um, but I didn't really put much um, effort into innovating it. You know, I just kind of took what it, what it was... You know as it was given to me and sort of kept running with it and i you know i did okay and i sort of looked at the course remember when i started teaching it and this was now you know eight years nine years later from when i was in school uh and i was like hmm these courses aren't very much different you know it's still very much Um, There's a little more, you know, video and a little more interaction, um, but still not much in the way of what we call synchronous. Um, Students and instructors all online at the same time, learning in real time. It's still online learning, at least in our department, um, in our school is still very asynchronous, meaning, you know, it's self-directed to a certain extent. Uh, And so now I teach. I teach online and I teach in person. And I like both, you know, for different reasons. I've really gravitated towards studying online learning more, though, because of this problem I see with it. The fact that online, true online only learning is very, it's very hard to feel like you're engaged with the class. And that's the big problem I have. And that is why I try in all of my online classes to make it as engaging as possible to get people to interact with all of my students regularly, to get them interacting with one another, because I feel like that's something sort of lacking in the course. The other thing I found lacking when I was um, teaching online courses was um, people didn't have a mindset or approach that really fit the online learning model they sort of applied the traditional classroom learning model to an online class and we're coming in sort of woefully underprepared, I guess. So picture this, right? You know what it's like to go to school and take classes, you know, once every day when you're in high school or, you know, several times a week and now you get to college and it's like once or twice a week. So take, uh, take a class that meets only once a week, right? A three-hour class, that's tough, right? Um, But it meets in person. It's a traditional class. And you know it meets, you know, Wednesdays at six o'clock. And so you get your assignments um, in class and you might work uh, a little bit each day, you know, to get ready for the following class. Um, Or you might procrastinate, as we talked about last week, and just do everything on Wednesday afternoon, right before class starts. Um, But you sort of have that deadline of saying, all right, I have to sort of I know I have to get certain things done in time to sort of, quote, unquote, perform in class on Wednesday at six. So I'm going to, you know, turn in my homework or, you know, I know I have to turn it in, but I didn't get to it. And it's sort of like, oh, you know, Um, everything is sort of deadlined out for you, in a sense, you know, it's like, each week, you know, you have that routine of showing up, um, participating, you know, putting effort into that. Um, It's all scheduled out for you, the teacher tells you when you're showing up and what you're doing and when you're turning it in. And so somebody will have kind of gotten very used to that model and format. And then they'll take their first online class and be like, Alright, I'll just do the same thing. Like, I'll just, you know." have this the class the teacher tell me you know what the setup is and uh, i will follow suit and then they get in and they find that this the instructor in an online class will not sort of set that up in a way so there is no wednesday at six o'clock every week now that you sort of show the instructor like i did what i was supposed to do this week i'm participating now evaluate me (laughs) um it's up to you to figure out when you're going to participate and if you don't do it the teacher probably won't be asking you for it they'll just issue you a grade at the end of the semester um so it's up to you to be able to sort of institute or set up that structure within the class on your own And I was seeing that a lot of students weren't grasping that in my online classes. And so that's what led me to design the course that I had done, uh, that I created this year. It's called Ace Your Online Class. And it is a, it's an online course set up for college students that are brand new to online learning, you know, that have never taken an online class before. And, you know, for some students, it would probably be too basic, you know, people that have... Done maybe non credit courses, you know, things on uh, a site like Udemy, you know, that they've taken a class on, I don't know, whatever they want to learn on Udemy. Udemy is a site that um, has all different types of um, courses available for sale, and some of them are free. So you might want to learn, I don't know, uh, some kind of computer language. I couldn't even tell you what one is. Python, I think, is one. And so you could go into Udemy and search Python, and there'll be, like, online courses you could buy and and do that. So, anyway, Ace Your Online Class is a course designed for college courses, mainly. And um, it really... You know, it does the basics in that it teaches you, you know, this is what you can expect with an online exam and discussion forums. And um, this is what the content should look like. And, you know, but it also teaches the habits and the routines that you probably want to get into in order to really succeed. It teaches you how to apply a new model, this new model of learning to um, being able to succeed in an online class instead of that idea of like ah i'm going to set myself up to put on this you know quote unquote performance for the instructor every wednesday at six it shows you sort of how to break down your online learning workflow is a topic i talk about a lot in there um so this is uh just the first thing i'm doing um it hasn't been terribly successful in terms of generating a lot of sales so far but um honestly i'm i'm fine with that Uh, the experience of learning how to build the course, uh, learn, I learned so much, just like I've talked about in the past of all the skills I've learned in figuring out how to do this podcast. I learned even more skills learning how to set up that online class. Um, in, I learned the tech stuff, you know, editing and things, but I also learned the business stuff, marketing and how freaking hard it is. Um, and it. I also have some thoughts about online learning in the future that sort of make me want to be on the forefront of what's going on. I want the classes to be super engaging, that people get as engaged with their fellow students and their instructor as they are in a traditional class. And so in my view, in my version of the, the online class of the future, I think it will be more synchronous. Um, I think, so they'll, they call that a hybrid class in a lot of ways, you know, it's a class that sort of meets in person, um, but also has um, content due to online outside of the class. My vision of the future is you're going to have an instructor that's going to log on, you know, semester starts, they're going to log on every Wednesday at six or something like that, and they will live stream a lecture to you, or they will post something recorded, Um, and you'll watch it and you'll participate you know in some sort of video conferencing discussion you know similar to a discussion you'd have in a real classroom but it would occur online I know this is happening in some schools but I see it just becoming the the main way things happen and if not everyone is able to make Wednesday at six they watch a recording of all of that interaction and are able to sort of participate in some other way um to kind of you know continue to get credit so i am in the department of psychiatric rehabilitation i'm not in the department of online learning but it's definitely an interest within the the realm of things that i study um and, and of particular interest to me is how can we help people with disabilities people that have um, learning disabilities, or people that struggle with attention and concentration, the different executive functioning type of skills that good students really have sound fundamentals, they have those down. Um, I'm interested in helping those students. And that's sort of where I see a a potential future of my career headed. and i think it's a valuable thing so not that psychiatric rehabilitation isn't valuable i find it incredibly valuable but i find just the ability to present any kind of content in an online manner really 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 well to be very valuable because let's say tomorrow i decided i don't really feel the passion for psych rehab anymore and i want to do something else it's hard to transition right but I find like I could, as a sort of person that knows how online learning, successful online learning works, I could sort of become a chameleon and sort of adapt my skills into some other field and take it from a real, what I would, what they call instructional design, you know, how online courses look and, and, and how students interact with it um, is a particular interest within there for me. So it's got me interested there, and I think I can leverage that if I ever needed to. I'm not saying I I really want to now, um, but I just see the future of online learning is going to get much more popular, right? We're gonna have more online classes in the future and less in-class, traditional classes. Um, We won't ever go away, I don't think, because there's something to be said for hands-on learning in the environment and there's certain careers where that is is very necessary you know certain technical skills but I think a vast majority of learning will occur online not in a classroom and I think that the more I learn now the more I'll be able to leverage that into you know a boosting my career and boosting my own passions to kind of take them to the next level and sort of I want to become sort of an expert in this type of stuff Um, and I find because of the growing need for people interested in this and to make you know anyone can make an online course in my mind but only really good instructors can make a good online course that people want to take so I think if I could sort of carve out a niche being able to be really good at online instruction um, I think it's a very sustainable type of career so if you think of the Derek's five factors that I've brought up from time to time that's three of them right there you know value leverage and sustainability um that just kind of I I see when I think about this and uh it's really you know again I I didn't know five years ago that I would have sort of a real interest and passion for online learning you know the act of online learning and how it happens and how to make it good and even better um, but here I am. <laughs> so I, I hope this is a, a lesson to you guys as, as to why electives can be so helpful um, and why just, you know, if you're interested in something and it's not in your college Um, you know directory it's not something you could take to seek it out online you know watch some YouTube videos and then if you're interested in even more you know find somebody that has an online course and the reason why that's even better is because they've already sort of curated what the best is in their mind from the internet you could kind of piece it all together if you have the time and the interest but when you take an online course or when you sort of read a book Um, it it sort of condenses all of that and um, it's some people really find that that curate that ability to have it all curated for you to be really helpful Um, so basically I'm just want to end today on talking about some things that you would be helpful in order to be a good online student strategies tips some tricks I want to share Um, so as I said it's really for me it all comes down to the routine You know you have to kind of learn what is what the course involves and figure out what is due when put all of that shit in your planner first day when you get your syllabus Um, and then figure out like okay discussion forums are due at this particular day and if it's a routine or um, if the class has a particular routine you know we have quizzes every week uh, and they're between you have to take them between Saturday and Sunday or every other week we have discussion forums, you know, figure out, determine the patterns of your class and schedule your routine, customize it to match the class, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say your course, your online class begins on a Monday, right? And that's when each week's content, everything is, is posted. And every week you have to do a discussion forum and you have to post something initially by Thursday and then respond to your classmates by Sunday. So you might set up in your calendar every week, you know, Monday and Tuesday, read content. You know, Wednesday, draft outline of discussion forum response. Thursday, post it. Friday, don't do anything about discussion forums. You know, maybe that's another, you, know, you tend to something else, or maybe that's your day you don't do anything because that you have a lot of, you know, fun stuff to do on Fridays. Um, and then on Saturday, I, you know, read everybody's comments and respond. You know, next week, repeat. You know, next week, repeat. And just find the routine that works for discussion forums based on what your professor's deadlines are and sort of customize your routine to match the routine of the class same for quizzes and exams Um, so the routine to me is is the number one thing i talk about in the course and uh you know just figuring out what your workflow is um next uh discussion forums so these are sort of um where an instructor will post a question and they will basically encourage you to post an answer and then talk to other students about their answers it's the primary means that instructors uh, s- mimic or simulate classroom discussion i don't know if it does the best job at it um, but it's getting better with things like VoiceThread, where you can actually post um, audio or video instead um, i think that that's a, a better a closer approach uh, more approaching online uh, i'm sorry traditional learning um, discussion forums again have your workflow um, try and be one of the early people posting um you sort of when you do that the other students that are doing that are the good students i'm just going to let you know now that the 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 poorer students tend to be the ones that wait until the last wait until they have to post something and then everything's been hashed out and talked to death so their 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 content whatever they have to say is often sort of like rehashing somebody else's or just what's already been said and by the time the instructor gets to read that they're kind of bored you know so if you could be one of the first to post you're going to have the most novel ideas interesting ideas um the freshest stuff and oftentimes when the professor reads and grades the material they'll base it on you know who posted first and read from there backwards um so also don't be afraid to take the contrarian view um professors read the same shit all the time and they get bored sometimes just a secret that i'm letting out sorry professors uh none of you read listen to this anyway um but if you can post you know kind of buck the trend you know and if you have something well thought out or if you have some good evidence to back up your argument an instructor, even if it's not the best argument, instructor's going to applaud you for taking the risk. And so stand out in the discussion forums. Um, also, maybe put your personality in a little bit where applicable, you know, tell a little story as it relates to the content, something that happened to you. People love stories and instructors will be, you know, if they're more interested in what you have to say, as long as it relates, you can't substitute what the professor wants and give them a fucking story right? But if you can sort of illustrate what you're trying to say to the professor and back it up and say, this is like an example of that. Um, most I think are, are cool with that. Uh, and then the content itself, you know, the stuff you have to read and watch and listen to, um, I, I'd say chunk it out, you know, I wouldn't try and do it all in one day. Um, so, and if it's written content, you may want to consider killing some trees and printing it. Um, I find it just easier with certain things to read in print uh, and paper. And some for some people, they like to take notes that way as well. It's just easier to take notes on paper as well. Um, so figure out your note-taking system and the way you're going to consume the content. You know, are you going to sit in front of your laptop and read? You know, articles. Great. Are you going to put them on your tablet, you know, and sort of take notes on the tablet as well? Okay. Are you going to print them up and then t- type notes or are you going to handwrite notes and use, you know, printed content? So whichever way works for you, figure that out early and sort of stick with it. Uh, and then the LMS is the learning management system that is sort of where your course is housed and every school will have one um, moodle m-o-o-d-l-e is a big one that's the one that i use uh, and the Rutgers uses although we use a bunch of them we use um, canvas uh, i think we use angel um, there are a number of them and basically everyone is a, they're all similar in that they have basically different ways for you to access the content Um, So you'll have a login and you'll get in. The big tip I have is to mess around with it a lot, you know, play around, explore every aspect of the LMS that the instructor gives you the right to view, Um, figure out where your grades are kept, you know, figure out um, how long the discussion, how long the quizzes are open for, you know, it's very hard to screw something up on there. So don't feel like you're like going to mess something up by pressing buttons and stuff. But just really get comfortable with the LMS because the more comfortable you are, the more approachable the course will be and the less resistance you'll feel to logging on. Um, Also, put that LMS website, bookmark it, and put it on the top of your bookmarks, you know, somewhere it's super visible, or just leave it open in your browser, you know, in one of your tabs 24-7. The easier it is for you to go in there, the more accessible you make it. I think the the easier it is to just approach your content you know I'm a little bit at a time kind of person you know I really believe in chunking and just you know figuring out it's like okay this is everything first figure out everything you have to do and then figure out each day what your commitments are what you need to do and um, you know if you can estimate you know how much time you're gonna need for it so that is the uh, that is the topic for today. Um, there if you're interested in online learning, especially if you are brand new to it uh, and would like to take my class, I would love for you to be a student there. Um, and you could take it at a discount. All podcast listeners are eligible for a discount. Um, so the course is again called Ace Your Online Class and there are links to where to find, the website that has more info about it and a blog with some more tips, as well as the link to the actual course. So my course is in an LMS called Thinkific. So the way to access the course is you go to aceyouronlineclass.dotthinkific.com, and there is where you would be able to you know purchase the course and access it, and you have access for life. Um, so it's not like a semester where they'll you know close off the content to you after a certain date. Um, it costs $19. Uh, and it's over three and a half hours of content. Um, I made up uh, 30 videos, they're screencast videos. So each one's between four and 10 minutes. Um, and so I break up the content. And the idea is you watch one video a day for a month. And at the end of the month, you you know, sort of have this idea of now I know how to actually like kill it in my online classes. Um, and if you are a podcast uh, subscriber, send me an email at college student success podcast at gmail.com or i guess if you wanted to email ace your online class at gmail.com i would get it there as well just let me know you are a subscriber i'll give you a coupon code and you can get uh nine dollars off so you could take it uh buy it for 10 bucks pretty good deal i think so um anyway Home exercise. Let's talk about what you guys got to do for this week. So I hope your goal. I hope you're working towards it. I am. Uh, I'm taking my online class, and my goal is to uh, to do well in it and get through it. And things are going okay so far. I'm enjoying it even a little bit. <laughs> um, so this week, think about what I talked about related to online learning, especially the lifelong learner. Right? If you are in college now, you're either taking online classes or you're not. And if you are, you know, I hope that some of the tips today that I talked about, you know, can help you if you're struggling with it. Uh, and if you're not, and hopefully, and if you were kind of a little nervous or scared about it, you know, hopefully this sheds some light in, into it and it's not so scary. Um, but think about your goal and I want you to think about how lifelong learning fits into your goal. You know, is this goal something that you're just going to achieve at the end and then, you know, be done with it and never kind of pick it up again? My guess is probably not, right? Our goals are usually never, not often stand alone. They relate to other aspects and it's sort of um, a weaved fabric of our lives in a sense. So think about how online learning and lifelong learning relates to your goal this semester. It might not. Um, but is there a way that you can leverage any kind of online learning resources in order to get closer to that goal Uh, and think about the lifelong learning model in this idea that yeah you're in college now and it's your it's your job to learn Um, you're paying for the privilege to learn Um, when you get out of school it don't end it does not end Um, and just you know sort of be mindful of that and look for opportunities to continue to learn things that relate to your passions and your curiosities. So hope you got some value out of today's episode. And I, uh, I have a couple of interviews coming up for you guys next week. Uh, and the week after I'm going to be recording uh, in the next couple of days. And I am super excited about those. Um, I am going to keep it a secret for now, but one of them is another podcaster that I'm interviewing, and then the second one is a college student. So, hope you guys stay tuned for that, um, and hope you guys have a great week this semester. Uh, this week, killing it this semester, guys. Hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Uh, please send me feedback or questions if you have them. Um, college Student Success Podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, guys. Peace.